Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. In Desiree Fixler's short time at Germany's top asset manager, DWS Group, she made a number of presentations to the CEO and members of the board. But the last one she made in February 2021 sticks out. She says the stakes felt particularly high. And by this time, I was a lot more aggressive um, because we were, we were under the gun. As group sustainability officer, Desiree was in charge of editing part of the company's annual report. Her section dealt with metrics regarding environmental, social, and governance, or ESG investing. But she says there were some issues with the draft. And I had already uh, been redlining a lot of the misstatements and, and, um, and false statements, frankly. She believed that there were numbers in the ESG section of the report that were wrong. And the deadline to have everything ready was coming up quickly. So when I presented things, I expressed the sense of urgency that we needed major and radical change. We needed to address all of these issues and do it rapidly. I needed an answer and we needed the resources. Desiree says the reaction in the room surprised her. It was silent. And then the DWS Group CEO, Ahsoka Warman, said something. And he stopped the meeting. He stopped my presentation. And he said, I'm going to show you something. And he brought up on his, um, on his device um, uh, a slide. And he emailed it to the entire board and myself. And he waited for us to open up his slide. Desiree says the slide showed a collection of quotes from reports by sell-side analysts at other banks. The slides said that DWS had seen significant traction in ESG in recent years and that DWS was positioned to grow above the industry thanks to its position in areas like ESG. And he said, look, the market believes that we're a leader. Why don't you? Desiree disagreed. I said, listen, like, those analysts are reporting out on statements that we've told them. They haven't kicked the tires because there is no evidence on, on these statements. And what I'm presenting is the reality. It was, you know, pretty quiet in the room. Um, and that was that. Not long after... DWS fired Desiree from her job as sustainability officer. And after that, she went on to make public allegations that DWS had made misleading claims about how sustainable or green some of its financial products were. In other words, she accused DWS of greenwashing. DWS has said that, quote, we firmly reject the allegations being made by a former employee and that the firm stands by its annual report disclosures. 
Recently, the financial industry's interest in using ESG criteria to rate investments has skyrocketed. But Desiree says her time at DWS changed how she thinks about ESG. This is a story of hijacking and exploiting sustainability, right, to cover up misconduct, right? This is a story of exploiting ESG, right, to inflate your share price. It's it's a story about, you know, the, the, the dark side of ESG just being used for marketing purposes. ESG is a booming area of the financial sector, and on its surface, seems to have good intentions. As the climate crisis has accelerated, and concerns around diversity and inclusion have become more prominent, investors have started to say that they want to do more with their money. We talked last season about the rise of ESG in the corporate world. Critics say that ESG is just corporate spin, that companies can use green and sustainable lingo to tout their products without actually doing anything to support the environment or to do something like establish more equitable corporate governance. In today's episode, we are going to hear directly from the whistleblower herself, Desiree Fixler, her allegations about her time at DWS, And we're going to look at whether that says something about the larger issues that have been raised about ESG and its future. I'm Michaela Tendera, and this is Behind the Money. Desiree Fixler joined DWS as its new group sustainability officer in 2020. At that time, she says she was aware of the controversies that hung around the company. So it was a very turbulent time for the firm when I was brought in. So at this time, my eyes were open. There were problems. Deutsche Bank had a history of uh, being, you know, considered the most scandal-ridden bank. DWS is a massive asset manager with almost a trillion dollars under management. But its majority owner, Deutsche Bank, has encountered problem after problem over the last decade. It's been ordered to pay out billions of dollars in fines for rate-rigging claims. Two former bankers served jail sentences for various scandals. Hundreds of millions of dollars more have been agreed on to settle a money laundering case. And those are just a few of the issues. And still, Desiree says this opportunity with DWS seemed like a dream job. It had some of the largest uh, regulatory fines in in banking over the last couple of decades. But management um, seemed committed to change the culture um, and seemed committed to implementing an authentic version of ESG and sustainability. Patrick Temple West covers ESG issues for the Financial Times. And he says that at its heart, ESG is basically a big data approach. ESG funds have grown from responsible investing, and they typically involve asking companies more detailed questions about their business practices on environmental, social, and governance issues. Questions centering on environmental concerns. What is your carbon footprint? What's the the roadmap to get to net zero emissions by a certain date in the future? 
social. What's the makeup of your workforce? Do you have non-binding arbitration when employees have grievances at the companies? And governance. How many women do you have on the board? How many minorities do you have on the board? While in previous times, investors might have just evaluated companies based on financial metrics, things like, what's your return on equity? Now investors are getting more savvy and saying, aha, there might be patterns on performance if we ask the right ESGs questions as well. When Desiree joined DWS, she says she was excited to make a difference in this area. I felt um, very strongly the market was maturing. Finally, we had large-scale acceptance of this concept. You know, previously, uh, most Wall Street participants looked at ESG and rolled their eyes. But Desiree says that early on, she noticed something seemed off. Desiree says her first task in the new job was to do what's known as a gap assessment. That's like an analysis of what's working and what isn't in a certain unit of a business. Desiree says that DWS had reports on thousands of companies that had been rated using something known as their proprietary ESG engine. The engine rated companies using letter grades ranging from A to F. It was all part of a framework that Desiree says DWS called its smart integration system. It was described as enhanced due diligence from an ESG perspective. It was described as sophisticated, above industry standards in risk assessing and investment, looking at it on how ESG factors might weigh on that investment's valuation. That's how the company defined it, that portfolio managers and analysts were using this state-of-the-art, cutting-edge ESG data to make more informed and less risky investments. Desiree says she started going through some of the reports. I wanted to see, you know, the highest-rated companies and the, the worst rated companies, right? And that will give you, if you look at the outliers, that gives you a sense of what's going on. You look at the extreme cases. Desiree says she noticed that Wirecard had been given a B score, the second highest ranking in the system. In 2020, the German payment processor announced that almost 2 billion euros had gone missing and then later filed for insolvency. She says that DWS's report on Wirecard cited the company's great governance and its great business ethics. You know, that was a holy smoke moment, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what's going on here? And then there was another very prominent outlier. It gave Amazon an F ranking. The system, this ESG signaling system, was telling its investors, this is the spring of 2020, Go long Wirecard, great company based on its its excellence and governance, and go short to Amazon. This company is facing so many regulatory headwinds because of health and safety issues, because of unfair labor practices, that this company is on the verge of collapse. And of course, the opposite happened. Wirecard collapsed and Amazon shot up. So, you know, to me, um, I worked with the with the analysts and got to the root of this problem. 
that this smart integration system was neither smart nor was it ESG integration. Desiree says that she saw these red flags, but as sustainability officer, she thought it was her job to fix these problems. All she needed to do was make the right people at DWS aware of them. Desiree says that in November 2020, she presented her findings to the CEO, Ahsoka Warman, and other members of the board. I presented this uh, to management to say, you know, last year you presented uh, in your annual report that the majority of your assets under management, over 450 billion euros of assets, comply with ESG. Unfortunately, I had to inform them that just simply is not true. This $450 billion figure that Desiree's talking about refers to the amount of total integrated ESG assets that DWS said it had in its annual report for 2019. A great deal of portfolio managers were not complying with the internal ESG policy. Desiree says that portfolio managers and analysts on DWS's active investment platform were required to consider ESG throughout their investment process. But she says she found out things weren't really happening the way that they were supposed to. And that was for a few reasons. One reason, Desiree says, she found was that some of the portfolio managers just didn't want to change how they had always been doing their work. Some of the PMs just said, hey, we don't believe in it. We've been doing this job for, you know, 10 or 20 years, right? We've been successful. Don't tell me how to change, you know, my risk assessment process or my investment process. But Desiree says that another reason was that some of the portfolio managers had told her that the information they were getting from DWS's smart integration system was just too old. Some of the PMs said, you know, listen, we know this ESG engine, this smart integration system is severely flawed. It's also very stale. So this is backdated information. And then we, the firm, sit on it for another six weeks. We don't want to use that. We want present or forward-looking information, data, and signals. The issue here is that portfolio managers, salespeople, analysts were going out to investors and telling a very different story. They were telling the story that DWS was very advanced in ESG integration. By the end of her presentation, she says the board seemed stunned. You know, I saw some pretty shocked faces, you know, in that boardroom that day. Um, uh, but, you know, it, you know, I, I, I firmly believe, you know, at, at the time, I, I really believed I was brought in to fix this. You know, I thought that, you know, it was, I, this was my job, as shocking as it was. Desiree says that at this point, she thought she had inherited a broken system that the firm would want to repair. The realization that she felt she needed to make public allegations of greenwashing would only come later. Patrick Temple West says that allegations of greenwashing in the corporate world go back many years. The Federal Trade Commission, before the SEC or DWS or any of that got involved, has had green guides for all sorts of consumer products going back to 1992. Patrick says that the FTC actually brought a case against Walmart and Kohl's for saying that they had bamboo in their products. But green bamboo was a very um, resource-friendly product. They said they had bamboo in their 
products, and they in fact did not. So the FTC has brought cases on greenwashing before. Now, where it's becoming more and more an issue is in the financial markets, and that's where the DWS case comes in. There's a whole host of places like credit rating agencies or index providers that do ESG ratings. Patrick says that in an ideal situation, they'll ask questions like, what's this company's board composition like? Or how big is this company's carbon footprint? All of those things are run through the special algorithms, and they spit out an ESG score. And there can be a wide variety in how those ESG scores come back. Going to Desiree's point, why was Wirecard rated a B and Amazon an F? Well, you can kind of write an algorithm, a formula to come up with whatever score would, would fall out that way, come out that way. Patrick says that in the financial industry, this boom in ESG investing has led to some overpromises. Businesses, investment firms, they're all promising to be the greenest business that's ever existed. And that just isn't the case. So Desiree does have a point there. I do think there are purists in the space who've been working in ESG, sustainable, responsible investing for decades. Those type of firms have been doing this forever, and they might be the survivors on all this if, if ESG is sort of seen as this flavor of the month. An academic paper recently came out in a journal called The Review of Finance. It pointed out the lack of standardization surrounding ESG metrics and scoring. The paper's authors explain that this lack of standardization makes it really tough to actually evaluate the ESG performance of various funds or companies. It's something that not just academics are stuck on. It's been brought out into the public discourse even more with Desiree's allegations against DWS. Desiree says that after she made that presentation to management that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, Things just did not go smoothly. And then, one day, she says she found out that she was fired. In March 2021, DWS's annual report came out. The one that Desiree had been worried about, and that she says she had tried to get them to change. They increased the number, you know. So for, um, that was the annual report published in March 2021 for the fiscal year of 2020. The reported total integrated ESG assets at DWS had gone from 451 billion euros for 2019 up to 459 billion euros for 2020. They still, you know, went on and banged on about how wonderful their smart integration system was uh, and, and didn't take, you know, any of my um, of my commentary um, and just rejected, you know, all of my red lines and, and, and edits. Desiree says she decided to put together a letter to send to other top brass at DWS and Deutsche Bank that outlined her previous concerns with their ESG system. Not long after, Desiree says that a memo went out at DWS notifying people that she had left. It, you know, it goes on to, um, you know, state that I wasn't a good sustainability officer and it basically implies that I didn't do my job. Desiree says she later read about that memo in Bloomberg. The feeling wanting to go public was a second after uh, I read the Bloomberg article. Um, but it, it, it took me a while. It took me a while, um, you know, weighing the pros and cons. But ultimately, she decided to share her own side of the story with the Wall Street Journal. 
And so I felt the best response was, you know, this is going to be played out. Like, I'm going to respond publicly as well. Kind of didn't have that much to lose, you know. <laughs> but 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 really, it was, you know, it was very, I was very conviction driven. You know, this was, no, I have to get the facts out there. Um, I'm doing this. Uh, but yeah, it was a very scary, very, very scary process. The articles ran in August and September 2021. Desiree says that this publicity sparked something else. Pretty much immediately after the Wall Street Journal article came out, um, the U.S. authorities uh, gave me a call and asked if I would um, uh, voluntarily voluntarily cooperate um, and, um, you know, work with them and serve as a witness. Um, And they had opened up a case. Patrick Temple West says that since Desiree Fixler went public with her allegations, they've had a wide-ranging impact. It's a real challenge for DWS, and we're hearing that already. Like other asset managers, they'll tell us, uh, without naming themselves, that, uh, yeah, they're they're seeing uh, pressure on DWS and might be looking to pick up business for investors who are looking elsewhere for ESG products. But it also spread beyond that, too. She's, she really kick-started some investigations into this space by German regulators and the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, the SEC, in its enforcement division, launched an ESG task force to go after both public companies and what they are reporting about how green or clean they might be, but also to go after the asset managers like DWS um, for how they are structuring, how are they are making those recipes for ESG and what they're telling the public about it. Europe has already implemented some regulations on this, and the SEC in the U.S. recently proposed some of its own new rules. SEC Chairman Gary Gensler has framed it like this. You know when you go into a grocery store what non-fat milk means. There's labeling, there's regulations behind that. Patrick says that the SEC wants there to be similar labeling in place for ESG funds. When an ESG fund calls itself green, sustainable, low carbon, some kind of language around that, you don't really know what that means unless you go in and look at the recipes. And even then it might not be crystal clear because there aren't a whole lot of requirements about what that means. And a fund could just say, we take ESG into consideration and suddenly poof, it can call itself a green fund. Patrick says that the SEC is looking to crack down on that. The SEC is going to do things like require funds to disclose more info about how they're implementing ESG and how that's being baked into investment decisions. Patrick says that these new regulations in the U.S. could be implemented as soon as 2023. Desiree says that the industry needs firm regulations and enforcement for anything to change. You know, if you know there comes a day where a firm gets penalized for greenwashing, I can guarantee, right, you're going to see immediate reaction and public reaction, um, even more so than than just, you know, from my allegations. Fear goes a long way, right, to up, you know, a banker's uh, corporate practice. Um, and, you know, when people realize that the regulator is watching, um, that the regulator will take action, they'll think twice about greenwashing. Desiree's story as a whistleblower has included a lot of surprises. 
One more came when DWS released its annual report for its 2021 fiscal year in March of this year. There in the text, the report showed DWS had overhauled its ESG framework. Remember, DWS had reported 459 billion euros in ESG integrated assets the year earlier. Now, with a new framework, it was saying it had 75% less ESG assets in 2021. The report said comparing these numbers is, quote, not feasible, as the framework for determining the figures has been refined in light of regulatory developments, unquote. Finally, it said smart integration would, quote, cease to exist, unquote, as they implemented a new ESG framework. Desiree says there's a specific word for how she felt after seeing that report. Vindication. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, um, it's been a really hard journey, um, and I don't mean to be glib or flippant about it. Um, uh, but yeah, vindication. Desiree Fixler says that since she decided to blow the whistle on DWS, her work life is different than it was before she got fired. I just get some the odd, you know, consulting gig and and speaking engagements and, um, you know, working with others, you know, in the nonprofit world, um, working with a number of the ESG data providers and rating agencies, right, to, um, you know, to help them, um, you know, to get this right. Um, it's very complicated. It's nuanced. Um, but we need better reporting requirements, but we also need better metrics. DWS has faced probes from U.S. and German regulators and authorities. And just last week, 50 German police officers descended on DWS and its majority owner, Deutsche Bank. They arrived without warning and seized several items of evidence, including documents and electronic media. The Frankfurt Public Prosecutor's Office said the search had been, quote, triggered by reports in the international and national media that the asset manager DWS, when marketing so-called green financial products, had sold these financial products as greener or more sustainable than they actually were, unquote. DWS says it has fully cooperated with all regulators and authorities and will continue to do so. Then, just hours after the raid, DWS CEO Ahsoka Warman resigned. This is the same person who Desiree says dismissed her claims. Patrick Temple West says the raid and Warman's resignation sent shockwaves throughout the financial industry. These ESG and sustainable investing departments at companies were always seen as like, oh, okay, this is a way to build business. This is a way to make more money. But now if these portions of the business are becoming liabilities because they might be saying something, getting out over their skis and what they're promising on green, clean investments, that, that's, a, that's a problem. And, and everybody in the asset management community is looking at this, both in terms of, well, is this an opportunity to pick off business from DWS? Or, whoa, what kind of bombs might there be lurking in our closets that suddenly we could be raided next for this stuff? Perhaps it is the wake-up call that the industry needed. Desiree says she believes that there is still a lot more work to be done. 
We cannot be patting ourselves on the back because we've hired a sustainability officer or because we have a human rights policy. It's actually about actions, acting on it and resulting in positive, net positive, environmental and social impact. Behind the Money is hosted and produced by me, Michaela Tendera. Stephanie Horton is our contributing producer. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Special thanks to Adam Sampson and David Kiane. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.